energy. How does anybody live and drive in Boston every single day? This guy stopped in the middle of the road with his hazard lights on. This guy won't yield. That guy won't let you go. That guy passes in front of you. That guy goes three lanes of traffic all in one shot. How does anybody do this? The passion. Look, if the Red Sox aren't going to play Yoshida endeavors as they're about to get swept, then we might as well just give up and go home. The opinions on all your favorite teams. I'm glad that Mac Jones looks better. That's really important. He needs to look better. But if it were a video game, he'd still have an overall rating of 76, and that ain't cutting it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? A very happy Tuesday to you on the Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We're brought to you by Fecto Homes, your total home solution in Montpelier. If you're watching the show live on video stream, you can see the giant Fecto Homes banner behind us, which we certainly love and appreciate their partnership. The Ayer Auto text line is open, 802-585-3026. Ayer Auto Sales is on North Main Street in Barrie. There they can sell you a vehicle. They can fix up the one you got. They've got a great collision center. They go above and beyond for their customers. And once you're in the family, you are always treated like family. That's Ayer Auto Sales com. Uh, we got a short show, 40 minutes tonight. We're back on the short show grind for a little while here and no show on Thursday because of an early start time for the Red Sox. Red Sox and Marlins tonight from Boston. Sandy Alcantara, the Cy Young winner from a year ago against Garrett Whitlock. We'll have the lineups for you in that one at about 6.05. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on Mac Jones to get to, but I also want to start the show with this question. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts of the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I start with this question. Is the NFL Red Zone channel overrated? Is the NFL Red Zone channel overrated? I believe the NFL Red Zone channel is overrated. I said that on social media today and got an endless wave of grief for it. Right? Like, I know people like the Red Zone channel, but I don't think the Red Zone channel is all that great. I don't think the Red Zone channel is certainly as great as all of you think it is. And I want to know if there's anybody who feels like me or if I'm solely on an island here. And if you're way out of the conversation, I'll briefly tell you what the NFL Red Zone channel is. The NFL Red Zone channel is on DirecTV. It's on YouTube TV now for this season. It's where Scott Hansen anchors, you know, seven hours worth of coverage from 1 p.m. until 8 p.m. or 1 p.m. until 7.30 or whatever. And they just bounce around all the NFL games. Whatever's happening in the NFL when there's a team inside the Red Zone, that's why it's called the Red Zone channel, they will show it to you. So you're never watching the full game. You're just seeing all of the meat and potatoes of a game, all the action going on in the game. It's a good way to monitor betting. It's a good way to monitor fantasy football. That's probably why most people like it. Since I don't really do those things, I don't have much use for it. I think the NFL Red Zone channel is one of the more completely overrated things in our sports society. I don't have a problem with it existing. I just have no need for it. And... The amount of grief I got on social media for that take, it actually surprised me. 
Okay, I'm just I'm not I don't need it. Okay, again, I don't really gamble on football. I have gambled on football before, but I can monitor it on my phone. I don't need to be watching, you know, bits and pieces of games for gambling purposes, and I don't play fantasy football. So I don't need to see who's in the red zone and therefore who scored and who got the touchdown. That doesn't do anything for me either. I have two things I like on Football Sunday. Well, actually three things. Okay? I like to watch the Patriots. And when I watch the Patriots, I do just that. I watch the Patriots. So at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the Patriots is all I care about. I don't care about what's happening in Lions-Packers. I don't care about what's happening in Vikings-Bears. means nothing to me about the Washington Commanders and the Dallas Cowboys. The Chargers don't mean anything to me at 4.30 when the Seahawks are on. Okay, 1 o'clock, I'm all in on the Pats. 425, I'm all in on the Seahawks. That's the way it goes most Sundays. I have a favorite team. I have a work favorite team. I watch those two games religiously, and everything else to me is is largely immaterial. I still watch highlight shows after the games. I'll still go find NFL Primetime on ESPN Plus like I didn't when I was in 1997. I'll still watch highlight recaps on the NFL Network. I will go through and catch up on what happened in other games. I'll watch the halftime shows to see where we're at. But I don't need the NFL Red Zone channel. I'm not mad at it existing. I think Scott Hansen is incredibly talented for being able to do it. He does that entire show six, seven hours a day without going to the bathroom. Like props to him for that. I just don't need it. I like to watch my team. I like to watch my game. And I like to go with it. I like to go with it in that regard. That's it. Feels to me like the NFL Red Zone channel is one of the most overrated things in our sports universe. Texter says, yes, agreed with 100%. It's for fantasy purpose primarily, not for serious fans of any specific team. Okay. I'm glad at least somebody agrees with me. Because on social media, you would have think I insulted the Pope or something. The people who got on me about this. They were far and wide. Locally, nationally, people who just searched for the word Red Zone and I came up, I was getting it from everywhere. Red Zone Channel is fine if that's what you like has nothing, does absolutely nothing for me. I have not watched more than an hour of Red Zone, maybe ever. I got a free trial of Red Zone on my TV package like two seasons ago, turned it on for a bit, and I was like, no, no, no. I'm just going to go and watch one single game. That's what I care about. That's it. It's the Brady Farkas Show brought to you by Fecto Homes on DEV. Let me stick with football. Let me move into a topic, though, that affects us all here locally. And it's just it's a question. How good does Mac Jones need to be this year? Okay? Simple question for the Patriots fans. How good does Mac Jones need to be this year? I was listening to the Pat McAfee show Earlier today, I was listening to the NBC Sports Boston crew, and they were talking about the idea of Mac Jones maybe being a Pro Bowl quarterback. I got to tell you, if the Patriots are going to be a good team this year, Mac Jones better be a Pro Bowl quarterback. It's that simple to me. Okay, We can't talk like, hey, Mac Jones is going to be great. He might be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Might be a Pro Bowl quarterback doesn't do anything for me. Has to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Mac Jones needs to end up in the Pro Bowl. Now, look, being a Pro Bowler doesn't mean a lot to me anymore. Okay? Guys get injured. 
guys decline. The guys who end up in the Pro Bowl are usually like quarterbacks 7, 8, and 9. Mac better end up in the Pro Bowl for the AFC. Now, if you're going to tell me that he's going to be one of the three original selections, well, then that would be above and beyond what I expect. But I expect Mac Jones, if the Patriots are going to be good, he is going to need to end up in the Pro Bowl. He doesn't have to end up in spots one through three, but he's got to end up by the time the list is done, he's got to have been there. Because, I mean, let's examine this, right? Uh, You get three selections. So we'll go Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Okay, those are the three best quarterbacks in the AFC. Let's say one of them's in the Super Bowl. So one of them doesn't play. Now we're on to quarterback number four. Well, that's probably Justin Herbert. Then one of them elects not to play because they had just played in the AFC Championship game. Well, now we move on again, and there's Trevor Lawrence. And now someone doesn't want to play because they're just they're beaten up. And there's Aaron Rodgers. Like, we're going to end up at quarterback 7, 8, 9 by the time this thing is done. Mac Jones, if the Patriots are going to be good, Mac Jones needs to be a Pro Bowl count. He needs to be playing in this game. Okay, Mac Jones, to me, is probably about the 11th best quarterback in the AFC. That's pro- Out of 16 teams, probably the 11th best. I mean, he's going to have to play, though, like he's in the top seven, eight, or nine for the Patriots to have a real chance this year. So people saying, hey, Mac Jones might be Pro Bowl caliber. He better be Pro Bowl caliber. Okay, he better be Pro Bowl caliber. I look at the I look at the quarterbacks in the AFC. Burrow's better, Allen's better, Mahomes is better, Herbert's better, that's four. Trevor Lawrence is better, that's five. Aaron Rodgers is better, that's six. Deshaun Watson is still better. That's seven. Lamar Jackson's better. That's eight. I would say Russell Wilson's better. That's nine. Then we start to go into the maybes, right? Maybe Tua. I would say Max better than Kenny Pickett. Okay, but there's maybe Tua. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think Max probably just as good or better than. But, I mean, Matt, Mac is... In the back half of the pack for sure. But if, if the Patriots are going to be good, he be, better be in that front half of the pack. He better surprise me. He better end up, you know, someone gets injured and Mac moves up a slot. The Patriots can't do anything with Mac Jones being the 11th, 12th, 13th best quarterback. It's not going to happen. This is a humongous year for Mac Jones. Okay, I hear people talking about which quarterback has the most pressure on them. And and I think it's probably fair to say that it is Tua. That's probably fair. But after that, it's Mac Jones. I don't even need to look at a list of other NFL quarterbacks, and I can tell you that Mac Jones has a huge amount of pressure on him. Okay, Daniel Jones last year for the Giants had the pressure. This year, it's Mac Jones. Again, Tua's a little bit above, but Mac has pressure right up there with him. Mac Jones is fighting for his for his football life this year. That sounds dramatic. It's not. It's reality. Because here is what happens. Mac Jones is in year three. Okay? Heading into year four, that's when quarterbacks get extensions. Okay? Heading into year four is when quarterbacks get extensions or when they get their fifth-year option exercised. So if Mac Jones is, is good, if he's just good this year, 
then the Patriots exercises fifth-year option. He plays year four, and he's got a chance to earn a long-term deal. That would be good for Mac. If Mac Jones is great this year, then he gets the long-term deal this offseason, and that's great. But if Mac Jones isn't very good this year, look at the scenario that we're at. He doesn't get the long-term deal. He doesn't get the he doesn't get the fifth-year op- option exercised. He goes into year four as a lame duck quarterback with no deal, and now he's playing for his life truly like Daniel Jones was a year ago. Okay, like Daniel Jones was a year ago. Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Baker Mayfield. That's what Mac Jones is headed for if he doesn't have a at least serviceable year this year. Serviceable year, they probably pick up the fifth-year option and he gets year four. Really good year, he gets the long-term deal and he's set for life, and that's great. But average year to bad year, you're looking at it where now everything's up in the air and he runs the risk of becoming the NFL journeyman. Right? And you don't really come back from being the NFL journeyman. Geno Smith eventually got a second chance and it's worked out for him. He is the only guy I can really think of like that. Sam Darnold, I would not want his career if I were Mac Jones. Teddy Bridgewater, I would not want his career if I were Mac Jones. I wouldn't want where Baker's at right now. Baker's lucky he's got a starting job right now in Tampa. There is no he he might have that thing taken from him by week three. Okay? I don't want the Brian Hoyer life. If I'm Mac Jones, and that's what is riding on this year. 802-585-3026, do you agree with me? Do you think I'm being overdramatic? Because I don't. Mac Jones is playing potentially for his football life this offseason. Because if the Patriots don't pick up the fifth-year option, then yeah, he might get the starting nod in year four just because. But it doesn't mean that that's his forever. The Patriots could draft another quarterback. Patriots could trade for another quarterback. If they're not owed, if they're not tied to him, they might just be able to move on from him. Now, Daniel Jones, it worked for, right? He got his fifth-year option denied, declined, and he came back and played well last year and earned himself a big deal. Mac Jones would have to do that same kind of thing, but it's hard. Mac Jones has a lot of pressure on him. If the team's going to be good, he better be Pro Bowl caliber. Again, it doesn't have to be the top three. But he's got to get there by the time the season is over. Because by the time the season's over, we're going to be talking seven, eight, nine QBs deep. Ayer Auto text line, 802-585-3026. Uh... Kenny Pickett has better weapons and is probably better than Mac. Also, I'm not ready to say that he does have good weapons, right? The uh, the kid who was the rookie receiver last year is good. Um, I'm blanking on all of Pittsburgh's weapons right here, but I, yes, I understand that Pittsburgh has good weapons. They've got the uh, Fryermuth, the good tight end there, so they've got good weapons in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not ready to say that Kenny Pickett is better than Mac yet. I know the Steelers won a bunch of games at the end of the year last year, and Pickett came on strong. But early, he was still very, very raw. Mitch Trubisky is another one, speaking of Pittsburgh. Like, that could be Mac Jones if this year doesn't go well. And Mitch Trubisky actually got to the playoffs twice. Um, 
Dylan from Hyde Park, I completely agree with you on Mac Jones. Well, thank you. Since people disagree with me on the Red Zone channel, I appreciate they agree with me on Mac here. This is a big this is a big thing. And like the pressure is supersized too because there's pressure on Bill Belichick and there's an internal clock here with Robert Kraft. Like Robert Kraft's not waiting around. Robert Kraft came out today and spoke to the media, or maybe it was yesterday, but the quote is making its way around today and said, like, the only thing that will make me happy is championship number seven. So, like, Robert Kraft's not, like, happy with, hey, we're just going to go nine and eight, and we're going to be on the fringes of it, and we're going to finish seventh and sneak in the playoffs that way. That's Robert Kraft. There is pressure from ownership to have things happen. So if Mac Jones isn't up to snuff, Robert Kraft might say, hey, kid, I like you, but I'm in my 80s now, and I want to win a title again. Okay? There's real pressure there. There's pressure because of Belichick. Belichick knows his days won't last forever. Belichick hears the rhetoric from Kraft, and he's thinking, well, if Kraft's got pressure, then that could extend down to me, and if I've got to save my own backside, sorry, Mac, that's it. There's pressure within the organization as a whole. Okay, There's pressure on Tua. There's pressure on Dak because who, you know, because who he plays for and Jerry Jones and the pressure that he puts out, but there's real pressure on Mac Jones. John over in Moncton says, I hope the coaching changes in New England help Mac. They're going to. I believe that Mac Jones is going to be better. I believe he's going to be better. I believe he's going to be more confident. That's going to then make him better. I do believe they have good players. Not great players, but good players. They have a good defense. So I think Mac Jones is certainly better this year. The question is, are we talking about him being better to the point of being the fifth best quarterback in the in the AFC? Are we talking about him being better to the point where he's the tenth best quarterback in the AFC? I mean, if the Patriots are if Mac is going to be really good this year, all the guys that he's maybe on the edge with, he's gonna have to be better than. Right? He's gonna have to be better than Pickett. He's gonna have to be better than Garoppolo. He's going to have to be better than Tua. He's going to have to be better than Deshaun Watson. He's going to have to be better than Russell Wilson. Like, all the swing guys, Mac's going to have to be better than. Right now, I'm only confident he's definitely better than what they do in Houston, either Stroud or uh, Davis Mills. Better than Indy with Anthony Richardson. I believe he's better than Garoppolo. That's three. And I believe he's better than Pickett. That's four. And then... Tua, I would I would lean Tua slightly, but I could be persuaded. That gets him to be 11th or 12th. If the Patriots really want to make some real noise this year, he's going to have to be better than all the other guys he's kind of fighting with here. Texter says, here's the Steelers' weapons. Allen Robinson, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. Yeah, Pickens is the one I was thinking of. Another person says, I tried watching Red Zone, but I don't bet. I found it too scattered to watch. I watched the standalone games, basically the Patriots, and then Sunday, Monday, Thursday. So I I agree with that. I don't need I don't need the Red Zone channel. You watch it all you want, but when I tell you it's overrated, it's overrated to me. It's the Brady Farkas Show brought to you by Fecto Homes on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio dot com. Uh, 
DeAndre Hopkins, the latest on him and his free agency and where the Patriots stand. We'll give you that update next on DeAndre. This is Field Yates of ESPN, and you're listening to The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and the WDEV app. 553 here on DEV. Again, Red Sox baseball comes up 610 today, 610 with the pregame show. Uh, before I get into the, uh, you know, back to the DeAndre Hopkins thing, I do want to mention this. Okay, I, I am worried that the Bruins missed their last best shot. I told you yesterday about the trade of Taylor Hall and what made me nervous about that. You lose Hall, you lose Felino. And I called it this year maybe the Bruins' last best shot. It's not necessarily their last shot, but it just might be their last best shot. Well, today, Dan Rosen, who covers hockey for the NHL, said that um, – let me pull up his exact words here on Twitter. He says, the Bruins are operating under the assumption that Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci won't be back. They're still hopeful they will be, and communication is open. They're giving them space and time to make decisions on their futures. So you look at this now. It's a Bruins team that was historically good last year. You lose Hall, you lose Felino. They already said they're not bringing back uh, Dmitry Orlov. And now you're anticipating not having Krejci and not having Bergeron. That sounds like a significant reduction in what you had a year ago. Can a team led by Marshawn McAvoy and, uh, and, and Bertuzzi, assuming they bring him back, and Pasta make the playoffs? Yeah, probably. And they'll have the Linus Allmark stuff there and Swayman. They got goal. They can still probably make the playoffs. But this idea that the Bruins are just going to be able to run it back is not the case, I don't think. In fact, I'm positive it's not the case. If they're slashing payroll like this or slashing players to get under payroll needs, that's a problem. Okay, For as little as I know about the entirety of the National Hockey League, that's a big deal. When you're talking about losing, let's see, Felino and Hall and Orloff and Bergeron and Krejci, we're talking about losing five impact players, potentially more, and... I mean, a guy in Hall who at his best can be MVP caliber, has been MVP caliber, and in Bergeron who's won Howard six Selkie trophies or whatever, like this is a big deal. So, yeah, the Bruins very well may have had their last best shot this year. The Patriots are taking their shot at DeAndre Hopkins. They've made an offer, as I understand it, to the free agent wide receiver. They certainly had him uh, in for a visit, two-day visit, a couple weeks ago, Sal Palantonio of ESPN thinks that Hopkins will end up with the Pats. I believe so. There's mutual interest. Uh, Bill likes him. Bill Belichick likes DeAndre Hopkins, likes his game. And DeAndre Hopkins likes the situation in New England, knows Bill O'Brien. Uh, it's a perfect fit at a time when they need a wide receiver who can get separation. They need somebody like that. But you got to remember, and I'm talking to Keyshawn Johnson here, and he knows it. When you go to New England, you're going to the Navy SEALs. You're going to a different kind of culture. And DeAndre Hopkins has to understand that when he goes there, he's going to have to fit in. It's They're not. They're going to make sure that he fits in, but he's going to. A couple of things here. One, the Patriots do need to get DeAndre Hopkins, right? We all, we've talked about that. They need him. He would be an impact player for them. He would be a guy to help elevate Mac Jones from that 11-12 spot, I think, into the 8-9 spot at the very least. And then you see what else happens 
around the league. DeAndre Hopkins would be a huge get for the Patriots. Money should not be an issue here, okay? The Patriots have money. They're going to have even more money next year. The cap's going to go up. They're going to be flush with cash next offseason. They can afford DeAndre Hopkins. So he should. money should not stand in their way. So my question is now is what's the biggest issue? The biggest issue to me remains that I think DeAndre Hopkins is waiting to see if something better comes along. Okay, he's waiting to see if something better comes along. And he's waiting for the Chiefs, and he's waiting for the Bills, or he's waiting for Cincy or the 49ers or whoever. If I'm the Patriots, I am calling DeAndre Hopkins every single day, and I am telling him, you know what? We're the best option. Because the Patriots can go to DeAndre Hopkins and say, as part of their sales pitch, we have thing, we have the combination of things that nobody else has. Okay? We've got the money. Not everybody you want to talk to has the money. Okay? We've got the money. We've got the championship head coach. Not everyone you want to talk to has the head coach that's won titles. And we've got the volume for you. You're still DeAndre effing Hopkins. You're a guy who should be a 1,000-yard receiver every year and an 85-catch guy every year. We can do that for you. You're not getting that in Buffalo. You're not getting that in Kansas City. You're not getting that in Cincinnati. You're not getting that in San Francisco. Okay, If I'm the Patriots, that's my sales pitch. I've got everything you could want. You want money, we've got it. You want championship pedigree, we've got it. You want role, we've got it. What else are you waiting for? I think DeAndre Hopkins is waiting to see if a better team comes along. But if, if a better team comes along, DeAndre Hopkins has to understand he's not getting everything he wants. He might be able to go to Kansas City and win a title. Yes. He's going to have to do it for $3, 4000000 million. And he's have to do it at 45 catches a year and not 85. If he goes to Buffalo, Stephon Diggs is numero uno there. We already know he's got issues with things. Last thing he wants to do is cede all of his roles, his role to DeAndre Hopkins. So, DeAndre, if you're waiting for something else, well, keep waiting because we're going to be the best fit for you on all fronts. That would be my sales pitch. Now, if I'm Hopkins, maybe I'm okay with $3 million if it means a title. But if I'm the Patriots, I'm absolutely coming hard with that sales pitch. I am coming hard with that sales pitch. Um, he's got an official offer from the Tennessee Titans. He also has an offer from the Patriots. DeAndre Hopkins, or uh, excuse me, Dana Rossini of ESPN says that He's got the offers from both teams. He's mulling over them both. So we'll see what happens here. The Patriots are a better situation than Tennessee. Okay, The Titans, with a potential rookie quarterback, or, or with Will Levis, or with uh, Tannehill, that's not as good as the Patriots. Patriots have everything DeAndre Hopkins could want. We'll finish out the show with the Red Sox lineups and a couple of your texts next on DB. It's on music. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. We'll give you the Red Sox lineups here momentarily. Sox getting ready to play the Marlins. Text comes in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. I'm sorry, excuse me. That's the old text line. It's now the Air Auto Sales text line, 802-585-3026. Air Auto Sales is located on North Main Street in Barrie. Peter and Williston says, if Cincinnati got Hopkins in addition to Higgins and Chase, it would be a wrap, but I do agree with you. He'll get 100-plus looks if he signs with the Patriots. I don't know that he'll get 100-plus looks with the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots' offense is designed to force-feed somebody but he'll get clearly a higher target share 
with the Patriots than he would with anyone else, right? If he goes to – I'm just using examples now, right? If he went to Cincinnati, Jamar Higgins – or Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, they, they're one and two for Joe Burrow. He's got to keep them happy. You go to Kansas City, Mahomes is clearly going to favor Travis Kelsey. Well, they don't have so much of the outside guys to take things away. The Chiefs offense is designed to spread the ball around, and Kelsey – is ultimately the main recipient of things. If he went to San Francisco, Debo's number one, Christian McCaffrey's in there at number two, George Kittle's in there. So You're just going to get a higher target share if he's with the Patriots, right? Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton, Juju Smith-Schuster, they're all complementary pieces. Who do they complement? They complement a one. Hopkins would slide in to be the one. Hunter Henry, the same. This is some sad news. It's unconfirmed, but the this is running on social media here. Delta Plex News is reporting that former Arkansas football quarterback and former Patriots quarterback Ryan Mallett has drowned in Florida. Um, I don't mean to be insensitive here. I'm just not familiar with this school. Mallett was coaching at what I presume – is a high school, um, could be a prep school. Again, I don't want to be insensitive. I just I just don't know. Um, he had been coaching at White Hall, and I don't even know where that is, but he was pronounced dead, according to these reports, at a hospital in Florida, um, nearish to the beach. Ryan Mallett, remember, was drafted by the Patriots. I don't know if he was ever really thought of as Tom Brady's successor, but he was a guy that the Patriots took and certainly liked. They took him um, in the third round. So, again, I don't know if they thought of him as Brady's successor in 2011 when they took him, but they certainly thought he was a guy that could play. He started eight games in his career. He played ultimately with the Patriots, the Texans, and the Baltimore Ravens. His record was 3-5. and five. That's completely immaterial right now, but just a, a really sad day there and something that does affect the Patriots, uh, the Patriots family. Uh, another te- uh, texter says, rest in peace, Ryan Mallett. That is extremely sad. Um, texter says, wants to know about the Bruins from the previous segment. Have you heard that Jeremy Swayman will not be back? I want to make clear, I haven't heard anything, right? I, I haven't been on Bruins mode. We're going to talk to Tom Karen tomorrow on the show. We'll ask him some of this stuff. But I would say right now it's fair to say that anybody who's not under contract, it's fair to wonder if they'll be back. Jeremy Swayman is a restricted free agent. The the Bruins can match a deal for him, right? If somebody offers him a deal, the Bruins can match it. But are they going to, when they're cutting costs, are they going to pay Allmark and Swayman? It's certainly fair to wonder if he will be gone. Hey, it's certainly fair to wonder um, if he will be gone. We'll ask Tom Karen more about that tomorrow. Red Sox are 45 or uh, 40 and 39. Marlins are 45 and 34. They're one of the surprise teams in baseball. They currently hold a playoff spot right now in the National League. Sandy Alcantara pitches for them 2 and 6 with a 508 ERA. He's last year's Cy Young winner. Garrett Whitlock 4 and 2 with a 450. Luis Arias leads off for Miami. He's hitting 399, trying to become the first player to hit 400 since Ted Williams in 1941. Jorge Soler's got 21 homers. He's the DH. Brian De La Cruz is in left. Jazz Chisholm is off the injured list. He's in center. Garrett Cooper's at first. Gene Segura is at third. Jonathan Sanchez in right. Jacob Stallings is the catcher. And Joey Wendell is at short. Duran in left for the Sox. 
Turner at DH, Alex Verdugo back, he's in right, Rafi Devers at third, Adam Duvall in center, Tristan Casas at first, Kike Hernandez at second, David Hamilton at short, and Connor Wong is the catcher, no Masataka Yoshida tonight. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, everybody. Talk to Tom Karen. See you then. It's time for the Mass Mutual Red Sox pregame.